Good to be back. Thank you. <laughs> Pastor Sheila's happy we're back. <laughs> um, and just as was said, uh, thank you for your prayers and the traveling went well. Um, we're just being proactive, Pastor Mike and I, today. Uh, we've been tested, we're COVID-free, praise God, and we're following all the protocols. Uh, but if we don't come up close to you today, and if you've seen us kind of come up from the back and not, it's not that we're being rude, we just love you too much. <laughs> <laughs> to get too close to you, and uh, pray for us. We'll be tested again, God willing, on Tuesday morning, just following protocols. And, uh, of course, if we had any symptoms or anything today, which what the public health tells us to do, we wouldn't be here. Uh, so, But we thank you for your prayers and your continued prayers. And our family is doing well, and we give God the praise. Some of you knew that we had been praying for our Caleb and his girlfriend Emily, who had covid uh, just before, well, weeks before, not just before we got there, but weeks before, and they uh, got a clean bill of health just before we arrived, so we were able still to be able to visit them, not knowing what that was going to look like. Um, many of you know on the board that the board had said to us last Christmas, you know, pastors, you go. We'll do Christmas without you. You just go to be with your family. Well, unfortunately, everything got locked down at that point. Mark, you're too tall. <laughs> Everything got locked down at that point, and if we went up, we couldn't visit anybody anyway. So we've put it off and put it off and prayed about it, and then God's timing is perfect, so we give him the praise. So that's, a little, that's just a little testimony this morning. We are starting this new series. It should be four Sundays, and it's talking about it's time to move. <laughs> and uh, I don't want you to get up and move. Some of you have moved, and we've had... Others move away, which that's not what I'm talking about, and, and I know that uh, uh, Wendy and Robert have asked for prayer. They're, they've moved away, and we miss them, and so we want to continue to pray for them in the midst of their move, and that's not what I'm talking about, but I'm talking about God is wanting us to move sometimes uh, within us. There are things that God is wanting to do in our lives, and uh, I love this statement by Max Lucado. Now here's, I'll leave that on there. It doesn't look the greatest, but anyway, God knows. Uh, God loves you just the way you are. What a truth that is. I have met people who thought they had to get their duckies all in a row before they could come to Christ. They, they had to do all this stuff beforehand, and that is a lie of the enemy because God loves you where you are and just the way you are. That's the gospel. But praise God, as Max Lucado brought out, but he refuses to leave you that way. God refuses to leave you where you were. Praise God. That's why we can sing, great is thy faithfulness, because we know that God has touched us and changed us, and we are not where we were. And so God is wanting us to always move on and to move forward. The Christian faith is a faith on the move. And now I know, you'll say, well, pastor, this church has been here, what is it now, at 100 and, where are we at? 100 and, it's gone. 100, so he's the one that numbers. 
He's the one, he can do all that. 104, says Pastor Mike. So this church has been planted here 104 years. And so you're saying, Pastor, how can faith be on the move? The church has been here. But even though we are planted as a church and we have history here, we can still be on the move. The church is on the move. We're moving forward. We know in Taberly's life that God is doing something in her life and on the move. And we'll have an opportunity probably later on, Taberly, to share your testimony of what God's been doing in your life. And so there is this aspect that some of us don't like change. Some of us want to stay right where we're at, spiritually even. Pastor, don't preach on that. Pastor, don't bring up that subject. Well, the truth of it is God is always wanting to move us into more. God is wanting to move us from struggling to surplus. God is wanting to move us. And that's what we see today in this wonderful story of this widow. We are entering into her story, which is quite a lonely story, which is quite a story of struggle. We have many widows in our church and widowers, and we know that they have gone through times of struggle and difficulty as they've lost their spouse. Back in that day, when a woman lost her husband, though, she was really in dire straits because she had lost now her only source of income. And so this woman now is just facing a terrible, terrible situation. Her husband has just died. But that's not only the problem. Her husband has died and left her in terrible debt. And in that terrible debt, the creditors are coming and knocking at the door, and the creditors are saying, I want your sons. So she hasn't just lost her husband and is struggling, she's lost her future hope because her sons would be the only ones who would cared for her in this season of her life. And now the creditors are knocking, and they're wanting to take her sons away as slaves to pay the debt. She's in a pretty dire situation. There are times in our lives when we feel like we have nothing. Never been there? When we feel like we do not have much. You might be, maybe no one else knows, but you might be in that situation right now where you're struggling. Maybe you're not struggling today, praise God. But I want to tell you something, as I've seen in the own, my own seasons of life, maybe you will struggle again. Oh, thanks, Pastor. wanted to hear that. Life is full of struggles and loss and brokenness. We need to be honest with each other. And so sometimes it's quite painful for us to even admit to others or to ourselves that we're in a moment of struggle. Because I think sometimes for too long we have presented Christianity as this faith that you never have problems again and there are never issues and there are never struggles and there are never financial difficulties. You just love Jesus and everything falls in place. Another lie of the enemy. For some of us, following Jesus has not got easy and things didn't fall in place. And sometimes following Jesus might mean you might face more difficulty. Some of us are thrown things that we have no control and no power over, like a pandemic. And it shocked my heart and the realization of it, and you can see it here on the island, but going through areas of Toronto and seeing store after store after store closed and empty. Businesses that had to close up because of a pandemic. 
But praise God today that even in those moments of struggle, as we'll see from this woman, it is an opportunity for God to always move us from struggling to surplus. That is the God that we serve. I remember Pastor Mike and I talking about, and I've shared this before, but there are some here that maybe haven't heard the story, but we left an established church. We left a paying church (laughs) that paid our income, and we left that church to step out and plant a church with nothing, no support whatsoever. We got to a place where our visas were maxed, our credit cards were maxed out. I went to work in a farmer's market to sell berries, strawberries. I'm a specialist when it comes to strawberries. And I literally would take, and I'm just sharing this, I literally would take what was left over, the things that he was going to throw out to come bring home to feed my family. I had no shame in that point. My family had to be fed. Pastor Mike was scrambling, looking everywhere to find a job, and eventually he found a job for Evenflow, a baby company. We always joke about that because he loves babies and more babies. And, uh, and, and working forklift, him with a master's degree. And, and it was humbling in that situation. Why do I share that? I don't share that to say, oh, look at Pastor Betty. I share that to say, we have struggled. And we have struggled doing the right thing doing what God called us to do. And so struggling is not a sign of somebody that is not spiritually sound or deficient. Sometimes struggle happens to the best of people. And God, what what I am here to tell you today, God is faithful. God is faithful. And so I want to share that only to let you know we're not up here saying, oh, you know, may God, God bless you when you struggle. We have seen the Lord touch us and bring us through in so many ways. I could tell you so many stories, but to time is not with us this morning to do so. The first thing we see if we want to move from struggling to surplus is we need to evaluate our current situation. Look at what the woman said, verses 1 and 2. And if you have your Bibles, you might want to open it to 2 Kings, again, verse, uh, chapter 4, verses 1 to 7. Look what verses 1 and 2 tell us. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. These are godly people here. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as slaves. She is not too proud to let others know she is struggling. If there is a message today for West Prince, she was not too proud to let others know she was struggling. She let the prophet know. She let Elisha know, my husband is dead and the creditors are at the door. Her cupboards were bare. And that was even, as we said, after doing the right thing, her cupboards were still bare. Her husband was a godly man, so much so that the prophet Elisha knew who he was, and she was able to remind the prophet of that. But I love what Elisha turns around and says to her in that verse 2. He asks her two questions. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? 
tell me, the second question, tell me what do you have in your house? This, these two questions are so important, even when we're trying to help other people that are struggling. I know Pastor Mike and I have worked with those with addictions. Even when you're trying to help people with addictions, these two questions are so important. What would you like me to do for you? What can I do to help you help yourself? Get the point? Because he says to her, what do you have? See, we talk a lot about enabling when people are struggling, and we even as the church and the body of Christ are not called to enable people, but we are called to come alongside people in their time of struggle and in their difficulty and to pray for them and to do what we can do, but then to empower them to do what God wants them to do and to see them do it. And so these two questions are very important to ask ourselves. What can I do for someone? And what can that person do for themselves? So it's important for us in situations where we're struggling to take stock. Even as Mark was leading us today through great is thy faithfulness, and as I prayed to stop for a moment and take stock, And not just look at what you don't have, but look at what you still do have. And this is what the prophet was trying to get this widow to do. He was saying, what do you have? And she says, well, I have nothing. Doesn't that sound like us? Like, I have nothing. There's nothing. (laughs) And and then she says, but, praise God, but I have a small jar of olive oil. Doesn't look like much, little as much when God is in it. Sometimes we need to take stock of what we do have when we're struggling. Take stock and look at things. Maybe we don't want to. Maybe we want to postpone it. Maybe we want to bury our heads in the sand and believe we'll wake up one morning and it'll be all gone and all the problems will be gone. In this passage, we're told today, sometimes we need to look at where we're at, look at what we have, and not be too proud to admit to other people, I'm struggling. This woman was part of my Bible study and church. She had sold her home and had moved into an apartment. Everybody thought everything was fine, and then all of a sudden I noticed she sold her car. She loved her car to get around and have independence, and her car was sold. And a little time went on later, and I could see a strain on her. She was a widow and elderly, and, and, and she finally came to me, and she said, you know, Pastor, I need to confide in you. And I said, oh. And she said, uh, I'm way over my head. I said, really? She said, uh, the family picked out this beautiful apartment for me, and I didn't want to say no to it. I've been in it now for almost a year, and I can't afford it. I can't afford the rent. Uh, I'm struggling to even buy groceries. I'm, I'm maxing up my credit cards, and I have nothing. And so we prayed and asked, what would God have her do? Well, the place where we had our Bible study was actually a senior's residence with apartments and also um, home uh, rooms, but the residence side uh, was prorated to your income. And so God spoke to her and and said, you know, you should put your name in there because you're never going to get in there unless your name is in there. And so she put her name in and asked 
the situation. And Aya kept saying to her, so how are you doing? And, and she was just getting further and further in debt. No one else seemed to know about it. I don't even know if she shared it with her family, which I said to her, I knew her family. They wouldn't want her in that condition. And so finally one day she said, well, I called again, Pastor, and my application is on the bottom of the pile. And there's a pile. So I don't know how long it's going to take for me to get into this apartment. And I said, well, we're going to pray about that. So she shared it with the Bible study group, all people and their seniors that we would get together on a Thursday night down in the basement of that building, and she shared with them. And we all prayed together for her. Do you know that week, somehow the Holy Spirit moved that application from the bottom of the pile to the top? Praise God. She got the call on a Tuesday morning. By that Thursday night, she was in the process of going to be moving into that apartment where she lived for many, many years. She's gone to be with the Lord, but God provided for her. And I remember saying to her later, so how are you doing now? And she says, Pastor, I'm doing great. Things are falling into place for me. And so I just share that to say she had to evaluate her situation. She had to admit, I'm, I'm in a bad situation here and something's got to change. Something. And she wasn't too proud to share it with me and then to share it with her brothers and sisters in Christ. And together we got to see God provide for her beautifully. Then you've got to follow God's directions. See, God, God can, you can go to God, but once God tells you what to do, are you willing to do what he tells you what you should do? Uh, verses 3 and 4, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. See, for people to move on, to move from struggling to surplus. You have to admit and evaluate where you are, but then when God gives you directions, you have to be willing to listen to his directions and stop making excuses. Well, I would be doing better only if. <laughs> you got to own up to it, and you got to start listening to God's directions. See, there's a lot of people today are going through struggles, and we have seen it, and instead of seeking God and admitting it to God, they seek other things. My friends, that's ultimately what addictions are all about, alcohol abuse, drug addictions. It is all about, I just want to hide away, and this will just pass over. I just want to numb myself. I just don't want to deal with my pain. I don't want to deal with my issues and my struggles. There are those who will withdraw and isolate. And if I want to tell you something truthfully as a pastor, over the years it breaks my heart that when I know people are struggling, instead of running to the body of Christ, and I'm not saying you stand up on a Sunday and you say it to everyone, but you can pull two or three people together to pray for you. You can let your pastors know what you're going through, that we could be praying for you. Instead, people tend to isolate. They withdraw instead of bringing it to the community of faith. And there are those who are just paralyzed. It will all just someday work out in the end. <laughs> It'll just wash over me. And so this woman, she chose to seek God. She went to the prophet Elijah, and God gave her the next steps through Elisha to move her from struggling to surplus. If we're going to 
move from struggling to surplus, we need the community of faith. We need the body of Christ. We live in a day when it's all about what? Independence. And it's about my privacy. This woman had to do something which was very, very difficult. He told her that she now needed to lean on her neighbors. She needed to go knocking door to door and explain to them their situ- her situation and look like a fool to say, would you give me your empty jars? Would you give me your empty jars? Would you give me your empty jars? Notice that the prophet says to her, don't just ask for a few. You'll realize shortly that she received as much as she asked for. Wow, there's a lesson right there. You have not because you asked not. So she received in according to how much she asked for. And so she goes knocking and she goes asking. And the key is she got others involved in her struggle. She invited the community into her problem. And my friends, today I want to tell you, even though we live in an individualistic society that says it's just me, and even in the church we hear it so much, it's just me and Jesus, lie of the enemy. It's us, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. We are in this together, and we leave none behind. We all move forward, maybe at different speeds, maybe we're at different places, but it's we all move forward together. That's what the body of Christ is about. And so we have to be willing to share our struggles with one another. Do you know that the church is counterculture? The church is different. We are to be different than what you see out around in West Prince. We are to be interdependent. Not independent, that the church says is the most important thing. The body of Christ, the church in its very essence, is interdependent. And we are only as strong as we are willing to depend on one another and to share life together, as Dietrich Bonhoeffer said. And so she asked for the jars, and not just a few, but there comes a place, too, where God's miracles work in those secret places, in those dark places, in those places where God is not about spectacle, and God is not about wow, and God didn't want everyone there to see what he was, how he was going to do it. She had to invite them in that they would know that God worked in her life and did a miracle when she started coming selling oil to them. But God said to her, there is a place for the closet of prayer. There is a place for privacy. Go in and shut the door as you and your sons begin to take the jars and begin to pour the oil. And she had to obey God. My friends, if we are ever going to move from struggling to surplus, you have to obey God. Was it uncomfortable to ask her neighbors for jars? Sure it was. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons, verse 5 tells us, and they brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. She must have felt like a fool, even in front of her sons. Here is my little jar of oil and I'm just going to start pouring. 
And as she starts to pour, God does this miracle. And she fills that one and put it aside. And she fills another one and puts it aside. Can you imagine what that was like? And the joy that was in that living room, in that little house, as, as there's, been, there's been grief and brokenness and creditors knocking on in the door. And here she is with her sons. And God is filling these bottles of oil. And every bottle that she had asked for is full. And she says, bring some more. Well, they're all done. (laughs) We took all that we could take, and they're all filled. She faced a lot of challenges, but she obeyed God. And I want to challenge you today that if you're going to see God work miracles in your life, if you're going to see God move you from struggling to surplus, you need to obey the directions from God. You can't have it both ways. You can't say, well, I love Jesus, and I'm going to do whatever I want. Oh, God, just send the blessing and the answer to prayer down from heaven, just like that. Just solve all my problems, and then I can just do what I want to do. It doesn't work that way. If you're going to move from struggling to surplus, you've got to obey God. James 1, 6 and 7 says, But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. And so she moved from struggling to surplus. A plan was presented to her. It required her to participate in the plan. By offering what she had, little as much when God is in it, she offered him that small flask of oil. If you noticed, we just did the messages on Jesus feeding the 5,000 and Jesus feeding the 4,000, and God works in that way. He asks you, what do you have? Moses, the Lord said, what's in your hand? A staff. God starts with what you have. He wants you to offer him what you have, and that's what this woman did. It required her to seek help from those she had established a relationship with, her friends and neighbors. It required effort on the part of those in her household. Together, they worked on this solution, this answer to prayer, her sons. And it required even those private times where she shut the door. Is there something today that God has been asking you to do? Are you being obedient to what he's asking you? That's Taverly's story, which you'll get to tell another time. Pastor Mike and I were sitting in our church. We had a little Bethel, Mississauga Bethel, our national director, Ian Fitzpatrick, was our pastor. We walked in that Sunday, and we were in the dark. And there was no amplification, and there was no lights on, and it didn't. It was like, what's going on here? And the power wasn't out. What had happened was uh, there had been a leak in a roof. Now, I don't know what it is about Nazarene churches and roofs, but I've heard so many churches deal with a leak in the roof. And, and so it was hitting the electrical, and it was almost causing a fire, and so everything had to be shut off. And so that Sunday morning, our small congregation gathered in the dark, in the realization that our roof roof needed to be fixed that week or we were going to continue to worship in the dark. And so the pastor got up and and made a plea and said, you know, uh, we don't have the money. We're struggling. We're just making it, you know, week to week. And we don't have the extra money to, to put on a whole new roof on this building to fix this leak so we can get our lights back on and raise the money to do the roof uh, over new. 
And so he said, I want you to, we're going to take up a love offering this morning, and I want you to, we prayed, and I want you to give what God has asked you to give. Mike and I looked at each other, and in my wallet was a $100 bill. And uh, we both looked at each other, and we said, you know, that's what God would have us give. Now, you don't understand, at that point in our lives, Pastor Mike was the only one working. We were living week to week, paycheck to paycheck. And, and that $100 was supposed to put gas in his truck that week to get to work, and it was supposed to buy the groceries we needed to feed our family. And we sat there and looked at each other, and all these questions started going through. How are we going to do that this week? If we give that $100, what is going to happen? And so obediently, we put that $100 in the plate, and God took care of us that week. No time to tell you all the ways he did that. Do you think God needed our $100? What did he need? Our obedience. He taught us something there that was better than any other lesson we learned in a book or anywhere else in the classroom. He taught us, great is thy faithfulness. We learned that being obedient to God and doing what God has asked us to do outweighs it all and God will miraculously work out all those needs what he's needing from us is our obedience God is wanting to move us this first sermon in this series wanting to move us from struggling to surplus as he did for this widow here's an important point verse 7 go sell the oil and pay off your debts Mm. Man, we could do a whole message right there. Pay off your debts. Now, I'm not talking about those in our church whose professions are based on a system where you have to be in debt in order to provide our fishermen and our farmers. That's not what we're talking about here. But we're talking about the debt lifestyle that we live in in our world today, that we are, somebody did a great preaching many years ago on this, that it is a new form of slavery if we're not careful. Where we live in a world that says to you, you deserve it now. Whether you have the money or not for it, whether you can afford it or not, you deserve it now. Go buy it. And then if you notice, we live in a day where they don't even tell you anymore the full price of a new car. What they tell you is how much it will cost you what? Monthly. Now if you noticed, it is what? Bi-weekly. Because they bring it down small enough to convince you that you should incur and take on more debt. And if you're not careful, it enslaves you. And even going on to about doing a marriage retreat or marriage preparation, what is one of the one things that can cause a marriage to fracture is what? Money and finances. God does not want us to be enslaved. And so as God moves us from struggling to surplus, what he wants us to do is take responsibility for our finances and be good stewards of it, and he wants us to pay off our debts. I have met people who have gotten in terrible, terrible messes financially, and even though the law said to them they didn't have to pay their debtors back, they stood before God and prayed, and God helped them by one by one to pay all their debts off because they believed it was a biblical and godly thing to do because it's your witness to those around you. Oh, it got quiet all of a sudden. It is your witness to those around you that you're going to pay off your debts and live in a way that honors God, and God will provide. Oh, we struggle, yes, 
but we do our part to move from struggling to surplus. Notice the second thing that God tells her to do. And you can live on what is left. You can live on the rest. And God is wanting to provide for us in such a way that he wants us to have an abundant life. He wants us to have freedom that if God speaks to us and says, do 100 shoeboxes, we can do 100 shoeboxes because we've got the resources to do so. That we can be obedient to what he's calling us to do. And so God is wanting to move us on and what prevents us is not being obedient often to his voice. Fear can get hold, pride can get hold, failure can get the better of us, but God is wanting to move us from struggle to surplus. Hebrews eleven six say, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Now, reward is not always dollar signs. Reward, as Paul, the Apostle Paul, could say about contentment in every situation often can be the reward. As the worship band comes, you have a choice this morning. If you want to move forward in your spiritual journey, if you want to move from struggle to surplus, there is always a choice. And you have that choice to either follow God's directions and God's way or to go your own way. But ultimately, it's your choice. I end with this story, and there's been a lot of stories this morning, but trying to bring it into a personal way that you can understand it. In the midst of stepping out to church plant, and in that mess of we have our credit cards maxed out, we have now cashed in our RSPs, and we are living on our RSPs, and we are questioning God, we don't understand what's going on, and I am selling strawberries and taking the leftover vegetables to feed my kids. Pastor Mike is knocking on doors looking for jobs we visited a church, and the people knew who we were. We went into that church. God ministered to us that Sunday morning. And at the end, when the choice came, and it was our choice to do it, the call came, and they had spoken about debt, and they had spoken about honoring God with our stewardship and our finances. And, and the call came, would you like to live your life in such a way that's debt-free? that you no longer want to be under this slavery, this power over you that was just getting heavy and worrisome and struggle. And remember, we were being obedient to God. We stood up in that church. We stood up that Sunday. We stood up and said, Lord, here we are. People in that church knew us. We weren't, gonna, we weren't embarrassed anymore. We were just saying this. We've been faithful to God, but this is where we are. And we're standing up in the congregation to say, Lord, I'm, we're struggling, and we need your help. You know how many times God has reminded me of that Sunday that I stood up? It was years later when our finances had turned around, and God had blessed us and provided for us. And you, many people look and say, well, look what Pastor Betty and Mike have. It is God. It is all God's. It will be all God's when we are dead and gone. It is his. He has done it all. But it started on that Sunday that we said, Lord, here we are, struggling all. 
would you, like this dear sweet widow, work a miracle in our lives because we don't want to live like this anymore? I'm going to challenge you today. Remain seated as we sing this closing song. That means a lot of you won't need to wear your mask. But I'm going to challenge you if you are struggling, and it might have nothing to do with finances. It might be other things. Would you just stand as a symbol to God, not to me, not to anyone else, and don't be ashamed to stand in the body of believers, your brothers and sisters in Christ. But would you stand up as we sing this closing song, and then I will close in prayer.